Good morning and welcome to Friday morning, January the 28th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we come to the end of year C, the fourth Sunday of Epiphany. And on the Friday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the gospel passage that comes from this week in the Revised Common Lectionary. And so we will find ourselves back in the Gospel of Luke and back to chapter 4, picking up where we left off last week, Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Luke chapter 4, verses 21 through 30. And he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb. Physician, heal yourself. Meaning, do miracles here in your hometown like those you did at Capernaum. But I'd tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner, a widow in Zarephath, in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the time of, of the prophet Elisha, but the only one who, healed, who he healed was Naaman, a Syrian. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of God for us. So this is a story that is found in all three synoptic gospels and what's different about luke's version of it is two things number one he pulls it earlier in the narrative so it's true that there's a very short passage earlier in luke where jesus appears to have gone through areas of galilee to do ministry and so word is spreading about him including in his hometown and so i bet you those in nazareth his hometown are ready for him to come back and to give them some of that home cooking right some of those miracles and some of that preaching that everyone else seems to be enthusiastic about, right? They're waiting for him to come home. Maybe they're a bit bothered that he hasn't come home yet. And so when he finally gets there, the synagogue is packed and he reads them the scripture and he says it's all being fulfilled in front of them. The second thing that's uh, peculiar to Luke is that this there's like this added thing at the end where he is having this, this tense verbal uh, spat between some of the doubters in the crowd and they try to lead him to the edge of a cliff where Nazareth is built so they can throw him off. But Jesus delays it. He walks through the mall and he goes on his way. So a couple of questions that we have is why this added like scene at the end, number one. And number two, why does Luke seem to pull this forward when Matthew and Mark have it later in the gospel where like the narrative really has its bite, it gets its traction. Because we see Jesus doing all these miracles and signs and wonders in different places. There seems to be this hang up in his hometown. Now, there's probably a lot of different options to this, but one option that I think I've kind of hung my hat on is Luke is interested in presenting Jesus as the Lord for the whole world. And so how you need to do that is you need to show that the reason this homespun kid from 
Galilee from the town of Nazareth that nobody has heard of. Like now he's available to be received by everybody as if he's rejected from his hometown. Either he's blessed or he's rejected from his hometown. And so Luke shares this extra story so that we can be convinced like, man, if his own home people have rejected him, even though he does all these wonderful things, like we all should embrace him. Like, like you know, what's their issue that they have, uh, they're hung up on it and he does nothing but marvelous things, right? And so we are so glad that he was able to walk through the crowd, to leave his hometown behind him so he could go to other places and have other lives transformed. This is an interesting, uh, also a revelation about what happens sometimes in religious communities. I mean, Jesus has done wonderful things. That reputation has preceded him. He comes home. And you'll notice that the crowd is initially ecstatic about what he has to say and the ramifications of his biblical references. That immediately there begins to have some like doubt and even some mocking among the crowd. Like, isn't this Joseph's son? And aren't the rest of his relatives here? Like, who does this guy think he is? And so Jesus says, you know what? Like in his hometown, like a prophet's without honor. And now, whenever a sickness enters into a physician's home, everyone mocks him, right? He says, well, let me tell you something. And he pulls these two stories that would have stung people from their Old Testament scriptures, where the prophet Elijah um, goes to foreign places when people back home are suffering, and how Elisha, the, uh, you know, the, the person who came after Elijah, goes to different places and he heals a Syrian instead of somebody from his own hometown. And so Jesus says, like, this is one of the contours of the gospel is that we can't quite ex- always expect to know what's going to happen next. And Jesus really confronts something here that I think is sometimes a, we call it a spiritually transmitted disease, and that's entitlement. People in Jesus's crowd from his hometown, they felt like they were entitled to the best and the most time that he could give them. But Jesus is like, my vision is bigger. It's different than what you can expect. And what we can say about entitlement is that entitlement says this. It assumes that people around us should share our thoughts on a matter. They should share our enthusiasm on a matter. And if they don't, I I, I can critique the number one and number two. I don't have to give any other effort to try to win them from point A to point B. They just on their own time need to come over to my side. And the problem with entitlement is, is that on its best and brightest day, it will only make obligation. It won't actually create fidelity and love. I mean, this is the truth of the matter. So like, let's just say there's a family and um, mom and dad took kids to church, but as kids are growing up, like they are... Uh, sorting through their own faith and stuff, um, a posture of entitlement would be with those parents to say, after all that we've done for you and how we raised you, how dare you not turn up to worship with us? We expect you to come to worship with us. Now, I think parents should set an example and a model. And as kids are living in your home, you ought to say, hey, like you're totally up to investigating your own opinion think for yourself. But as a family, we're going to church. I mean, that's one thing. But to like put this heavy weight on them, out of mere obligation. We should not be surprised that uh, whatever we are trying to get them convinced of, like it's just not going to get much traction because at the end of the day, they feel like they've got a job. Like they feel like they're obligated to follow along just to keep the peace in the home. And the very moment that the gate opens and they can run free, they will run free. And this is simply the reason that these things happen, right? But, uh, A posture that's different is entrepreneurial posture, where we start with the uh, 
with the idea that nobody owes us anything, even the people closest to us, even the people in our care, like they don't owe us anything, but we are going to provide for them in the most humble and honest way possible. We're going to provide them reasons why they should embrace our faith on their own, not under compulsion or obligation, but out of free will, like out of opportunity, like that actually brings traction. And so why was there a rough go in Nazareth? It's because the townsfolk, the people that Jesus was raised around, they felt entitled to him. But Jesus said, this, this story is bigger than you. And if you can't change your mind about this, then all this goodness is going to pass by you. And that's what I fear the most, is that if we don't check the, the entitlement posture that we have at times, we are going to miss out on the goodness that comes from the gospel. So because of that, man, we got to do some praying because it's going to take a different sentiment. It's going to take a different mindset in order to be humble and entrepreneurial and make the most out of every opportunity that we have. So with that in mind, let's spend some time praying together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are so rich in your generosity. I thank you that you are making a family out of those of us who were once enemies. We were going the other way. We were doing things that were frustrating your plans. We thank you that you looked past that. You looked deep within us and you knew that we could be included. And so we thank you that uh, without any favoritism, you've included us into your family. And we thank you that this gives us a humble posture where we now face the world. And though it's your world, we... Don't claim that anybody owes us anything. Uh, that, that was no obligation. We move out into the world and we seek to do good and we seek to proclaim Christ uh, raised and lifted high. And so God, today we have uh, things on our task list. We have people to enjoy life with. And we pray that you would teach us the humble way, uh, the way of Jesus, where you uh, went around seeking to bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free. And I pray that that would be our business as well. So God, empower us for that end today, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.